Good morning. Y'all can be seated. Good morning. I want to welcome you to Northside Baptist Church. If you can believe it, this is now the eighth Sunday that we have gathered uh, this way. I know you are uh, really, really wanting to come back, and I look forward to your being able to come back when you're comfortable with that. But we do want to welcome you. Uh, some of you, maybe you're tuning in for the first time. Uh, maybe this is the eighth time you've tuned in and you haven't missed one yet. Uh, we just want you to know that we love you. We're thankful that you are uh, here with us on this special day. Uh, this is first uh, for me, first time in my ministry that uh, we've had to do Mother's Day this way. So let me just wish you a happy Mother's Day. We do have some moms with us here this morning. Uh, we have two up here on stage. Uh, then we have some others out here in the audience. Uh, our praise team members, uh, their families are with us today. So we have a small crowd here. We do want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. You know, God has blessed me with uh, an amazing mom. I have an amazing mother-in-law, and I have a phenomenal wife. And so for, for most of my life, uh, you know, Mother's Day has just been this, this exciting day. But the older I get, the more I realize how hard this day can be for some people. Uh, so this morning, what I want to do is I just want to lead us in a time of prayer. Um, and maybe today is a joyful day for you. Or maybe today on this Mother's Day is a difficult day for you. Uh, but I just want to pray for you uh, before we worship some more. We just want you to know that, that we love you. And uh, the Lord is, is giving me a message to bring this morning based upon Colossians 3 that hopefully will be an encouragement to all of us, but particularly our moms today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I just want to begin this prayer uh, the way we should begin every prayer, and that is simply by praising you. God, every good gift that we have comes from you. And so, Lord, may we be quick uh, to just say, Lord, we, we praise you always, God, always. You're there for us. You're there with us. You are, God, our strength. You're a refuge. Lord, we hide ourselves in you today. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the gift that you have given us in mothers. Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord, as a pastor, for the godly women that you have brought into my life. Lord, from when I was a teenager, Lord, in, into just being in the ministry as a pastor, the ladies that have encouraged me, helped me, got even shaped who I am today. Lord, I thank you for them. Lord, it is a great day. We set aside this day to honor our moms, but Lord, the reality is every day should be a day for us to express our appreciation and gratitude to them. Lord, at the same time, as I rejoice, Lord, my heart is also heavy today. Lord, because I understand that there are some who are listening, God, who grew up without a mother. Maybe she passed away at an early age, or maybe, God, she left the family. Lord, maybe they were an orphan. And Lord, so they've wrestled with that their whole life, of that void, God, in their life. Lord, today may be... Father, the first Mother's Day that people, God, are, are having to make it through without their mom here. Over the last year, Lord, they, they've lost her. They had to say goodbye to her, and so it's tough for them. They grieve today. Lord, today, God, may be especially difficult for those ladies who so desperately want children, but have not been able to have them. Especially difficult, Father, for our mothers who know the pain of miscarriage who have had to bury a son or a daughter 
to go through something, Father, no parent should ever have to go through. Lord, there may be someone listening today who is still struggling with the guilt of a past abortion, of aborting a child, and that haunts them to this very moment. Today may be difficult, God, for those single ladies who so desperately want to get married and have a family. And God, they're wondering, what is your plan and purpose for their life? Today may be difficult, Father, for those mothers who have children who have never given their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. And they're burdened today, praying that their son, their daughter, would just come to know Jesus and have eternal life. Today may be difficult for those moms, Lord, who have children who gave their life to Jesus, but who have walked away. Who are living in sin. And this morning, they can't even find the strength to rejoice because they're so burdened for them. Lord, you have a word for us today. And that word is ultimately this. That our identity is found in Christ. That our life is to be centered upon Christ. That there is grace available for us today if we would just come to you. Lord, we're about to sing these, these words. Lord, I need you. Those words, God, may be so true for somebody today. Lord, I think of two families in particular, Lord, who are having to live out their lives right now. Lord, for everyone to see. One of those families being here in Georgia, praying, God, for Ahmad's family. Praying, Lord, for justice. Praying for healing. Praying for comfort. Just praying for all my brothers and sisters in Christ who are wrestling this morning, God, with, with a, a, what they feel is a lack of justice. Lord, Lord, struggling to just make it through every day. Feeling, God, for their own safety. Burdened for their own children. And then, Lord, I, I think of another family, a pastor, who got, by all indications, a pastor that many people know, Lord, took his own life a couple nights ago. And, Lord, I grieve. I grieve, God, for pastors' families. Many today who, Lord, are celebrating and their husband is not there because, God, they succumb to the pressures of life or to mental illness or just the pressures that ministry brings. Lord, these families need you. Lord, I need you today. And so, God, though this is a great day of celebration, it is also a day for us to throw ourselves at your feet and to be reminded, oh, God, we need you. Comfort those all across the world who are struggling and hurting, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you have your Bibles, would you take them to Colossians chapter 3? Take them and open them to Colossians chapter 3. So where we've been the last three weeks, we've been in Philippians chapter 4, and we've just been working our way through just thinking about these things that we are to have in Christ, right? Joy and reasonableness, and we're to be at peace. We're not to worry, and we have the peace of God and the God of peace with us. We're to fix our minds right on that what's true and honorable and 
Then last week we looked at how we can do all things through Christ. And we talked about the secret of contentment. Right? All of these things are things that we are to do. Right? This is, these are imperatives. These are ways in which we are to live. But all of this is grounded really in who we are. It's grounded in who we are. And so I want us to, to, do, to look at that this morning. Two things we're going to do. Number one is we're just going to walk our way through these four verses in Colossians chapter 3. And then I want to apply it for the last part of the sermon to mothers in particular, as it is Mother's Day. So we are in Colossians chapter 3. Let's begin in verse 1. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Soren Kierkegaard writes, It is the normal state of the human heart to try to build its identity around something besides God. That we're trying to build our identity. It's just the, the nature of the human heart to build our identity around the things of the world instead of centered upon God and who He is. And so I just simply this morning want to remind you as we look at these first four verses in Colossians 3 as to who you are. Who are you in Christ? So notice, first of all, notice number one, notice your life is in Christ. Your life, my life, is now in Christ. Follow along with me here in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ. Right, so Paul's talking about us being raised. Well, to be raised means we had to have been dead. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Here it is, verse 3, 4. You have died. Your life in Christ, notice that you died with Christ. This is what Paul is teaching us. When Christ died, you died with Him. You say, wait a minute, when, when did I die? You died, right, at the moment of salvation. When you gave your heart, you, when you gave your life to Christ, when you confessed your sins, repented of your sins, and took hold of Jesus as Lord and Savior, right, you died to the things of the world. Paul says this in chapter 2, verse 20. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, you died to Christ. Now before you, but you died to the things of the world. Now before you died to the things of the world, you were already dead. You were just dead to different things. right? You were dead in your sin, and you were dead to the things of God. The things of God did not move you or stir you. You could care less about them. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. But when you came to faith in Christ, you now died to the things of the world. Right? We also see from Scripture that you were buried with Christ. Right? When Christ was buried, you were buried with Him. This is the significance of baptism. This is the picture that baptism paints. Right? That you were buried in Christ. You were dead to the things of the world. Right? And you were raised with Christ. Baptism paints this picture. Notice also that you were raised with Christ. Verse 1 says, if then you have been raised with Christ. When Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, you were raised with him into eternal life. 
So this morning, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, understand that your life is in Christ. It's not in the things of this world. It is in Christ. Your life is in Christ. Notice, secondly, from our text, your home is with Christ. This is who you are. Your life is in Christ. Your home is with Christ. Look what he says there in verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So we're thinking about our past. Your past is that you were dead, right? You died. You are now raised with Christ, buried with Christ, raised with Christ. Your future is that you will be with Christ. Paul says, when Christ appears. Well, where is Christ right now? Well, verse 1 tells us, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Where is Christ? He is above, seated at the right hand of God. Jesus Christ in Luke twenty two sixty nine 69 says, But from now on the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. The Life Application Bible Commentary writes, Christ's seat at God's right hand reveals His power, His authority, and His position as both judge and advocate. Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God the Father, ruling and reigning as both judge and advocate. But a day is coming, Paul says, when He will appear. When Jesus Christ will come for us, He will appear, and look what He says, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Let me remind you, Christian, that your home is not here. Your home is with Christ. That's where your home is. So this is your future. But notice one other thing. Notice your identity is in Christ. Look at verse 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ ascended to the Father, He was now hidden from our sight. The disciples watched Him ascend, and then He was gone from their sight. Paul is saying, your life is now hidden with Christ. Christ is in you, and you are hidden in Christ. Right? We think of the the Old Testament, I read it earlier this week in Psalm one of the, in Psalm 50, I can't remember the exact chapter, but I was reading it in my, my quiet time, and it talked about us being hidden in the shadow of God's wings, that we are hidden under God's protection, that we are safe with God. But there's another sense in which our life is hidden. As a believer in Christ, you are now in Christ, and therefore your life is hidden from the world. What I mean by that is is not that you're incognito, that you don't tell anybody that you're a Christian. What I mean by that is unbelievers will not understand why you and I follow Jesus. It makes no sense to them. It makes no sense to them that you would point your kids to Jesus and teach them that following God and loving Him with all your heart and loving your neighbor as yourself, like this is what life is about. They won't understand that. It makes no sense to them because they can't see It's hidden from them. You and I are united to the Lord Jesus Christ. And all that He has done for you is now yours. 
I love what one author writes, clothed in our shame, crowned with our thorns, and exposed to the judgment of God that we deserve. Jesus is our hiding place. Outside of Christ, there is no safe place to hide, but being found in Christ, there is peace and safety. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Our identity is in Christ. Who we are determines how we live. Who we are, the fact that our life is in Christ, our home is with Christ, our identity is in Christ. This, who we are as children of God, determines then how we are to live our life. So before we apply this to moms, hear me very closely. You and I do not work to attain this new life in Jesus Christ. We don't work to attain it. There's, you, there's not enough good deeds that you can do. It doesn't matter how great of a mom you might be or how great of a dad you might be or a husband or a wife. There's nothing you can do to attain this standing that we now have with God through Jesus Christ. It is yours through the finished work of Jesus. He has secured it. This is who you are in Christ. You have believed in Him. You have trusted in Him. But what we now do is we work out the implications of this in our life. Because of who we are in Christ, our lives are now different. We see Paul allude to this even in our verses right here. Verse 1, if then you've been raised with Christ, what does he say? Seek the things that are above. Who you are, you've been raised with Christ. Now what are you to do? You are to seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above. These are in the present tense. The idea is seek and keep on seeking Christ. Seek Him and keep on seeking Christ. Christ. Be persistent in your seeking. Know who you are and then live out that identity. So let me, for just a few minutes this morning, apply this reality to you as moms. Two things I want you to notice. Number one, I want you to notice that your identity is found in Christ. Um, Man, the demands of mothers uh, is awesome. Uh, maybe even more so uh, during these last eight weeks in the midst of COVID-19. One person summarizing these demands writes this, these demands of moms include planning meals, grocery shopping, meal preparation, in the case of our family for finicky finicky kids, right? Picky kids and and even a husband. Uh, Shopping for clothes for the family, mending and washing and ironing house cleaning, caring for the many other needs of the family, from the broken arm to the runny nose, from the fight with the kid next door to the quarrel with the boyfriend or girlfriend. Then there's the homework, right? For some of you, mom's taxi services, you take your kids to all of these different places. Man, being a mom is an unbelievable thing. You have unbelievable responsibilities, right? As I look around and see our moms in here, right? Unbelievable responsibilities, unbelievable demands. And maybe, maybe it is the greatest blessing that God has given us here on earth is is being a mom and having a mom. But hear me, you can never make the main thing in your life the fact that you are a mom. 
It is an unbelievable gift, an unbelievable responsibility. Some of you maybe will even say it's a burden, as your burden for your kids. But you can never make that the main thing in your life. And what I mean by that is you can never make being a mom your identity. That is not ultimately who you are, a mom. Right? This is where you and I must apply Colossians 3 to our life. How we define ourselves, how we think of ourselves must be based upon how God sees us and how God defines us and ultimately our identity is in Christ. Listen to Jen Wilkin. I love how she words this. She says, unsurprisingly, the question of where we find our identity is one of motive. It's one of motive. A mom whose love of her kids is motivated by their achievements or behavior has identity issues. If she has to raise the perfect child in order to feel at peace about her worth, her identity is misplaced. By asking motherhood to be her savior, she reveals not that she loves her kids too much, but that she loves them too little. And I love that. By asking motherhood to be her savior, she reveals not that she loves her kids too much, but too little. We must build our identity not on what we do, but on who we are. Who we are determines how we live. Now listen, we wear many hats. We have many different titles. But our identity can't be found in any of those. It's not found in motherhood or being a father or being a wife or being a husband or a son or a daughter or being a church member or in our jobs. It must be found in Christ. Now let me, let me brag for a moment. Uh, you, can't, you can't stop me, so I'll do it anyways. Uh, let me just brag on my mom. My mom is, is watching, and my mom is amazing. My mom is a saint. Um, if you can think of what a saint would be, man, my mom, my mom is a saint. My mom and dad, from a very early age in our life, taught us something that was so valuable. And it was simply this. Remember who you are. And who you belong to. My mom and my dad always instilled within us that our hope and our identity was found in God and who he made us to be. It was never to be found in them. So my mom is a saint. But my mom is not my savior. My wife is phenomenal. She is the love of my life. But she is not my savior. And I am not her Savior. And our kids are not our saviors. And the problem with so many people today, the world, I understand why, but even among Christians, the problem for so many of us is we have lost our identity. Instead of living for Christ, we're living for self, right? We're living in our own strength. We're trusting in our own righteousness. And when we begin to do this, we will always fail. We will always come short. It'll never be enough and we'll never find true meaning and purpose. Our identity is to be built on Jesus Christ. So moms, what happens if you build your identity upon motherhood? Like if being a mother is the most important thing in your life, what happens? Well, a couple things could happen. What happens... If you're building your life upon motherhood, and as a mother, you get things right. 
Like you look at your kids and man, they're perfect. You're doing an amazing job, right? You look around at other families and they're not as good as your family, right? If, if motherhood is what you're building your life on, when you get things right, what does it lead to? It leads to pride. And Satan would love to take you to that place where you think, man, I've done this. I'm good at this. I hope people recognize the amazing job that I've done. But what about the opposite? What happens, moms, when you fail? What happens, mom, when your daughter comes to you and you don't respond in the right way? Or what happens when you've had a rough, long day or week or eight weeks and your son says something and he didn't mean anything by it, but you snap and you lose it because you've just had enough. Like, get away, get out of here. What happens then? Well, if your life is built on motherhood, I'm going to tell you what happens. You're going to feel like a failure. You're going to be ashamed. Some of you right now sitting in your living room, maybe you're ashamed. Because people don't know things about your family that we could know. Like you sit there and you look at your kids and you see their struggles and you feel like a failure this morning because your family doesn't have it all together. And some of us, maybe we think you do. See, Satan not only wants to take you to a place of pride, but he would love to take you to a place of shame where you feel worthless, like you can't measure up. God possibly could not love you, forgive you, or even redeem the mess that you have made of your family and of your own life. Or what about you ladies who are sitting there? And so much pressure is placed upon you to get married. Like people are asking you, man, when are you going to get married? When are you going to get married? And maybe you want nothing more than to get married. But what happens if the will of God for your life is never to get married, but it's to be single? Look, we've made singleness and we've made it into this shameful thing, but yet that could be the will of God for you. If your identity is found that I've got to be a wife and God says, no, my plan for you is to be single, you'll never find contentment in that. Or what about you moms who want nothing more than to hold a child in your arms? Like everybody, every time you gather with them, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Fourth of July, whenever you get, like, man, you have, you, have your kids yet? Are you pregnant yet? Right? And you feel this pressure of having a family. What happens if you wrestle with infertility? What happens then? What happens is you feel that you have no meaning and no purpose and, and there's a void in your life. What happens when you wrestle with this is you begin to see adoption as a second, like a lesser than plan of God because you think God's plan must be we have to have children of our own, which is an amazing blessing thing, but there are other possibilities like adoption. My point is we can't build our life upon whether we're a good mother or a good wife or a good husband or a good father. If your identity is found in motherhood, hear me, that places a burden on you and unrealistic expectations on your spouse and children that they simply can't live up to. Man, I've seen this. I've seen it at the baseball fields, not so much with the moms, but I've really seen it with the dads. Like, man, they're all over their kids. Like, they, their dream is that their son be what they could not be, an athlete. They place all of this pressure on their kids because their, their mindset is, my kid has to make it. He's got to be this. And so we pressure them. You place unrealistic expectations on them. What happens? I've seen this too. 
What happens when your marriage revolves around your kids? Like your identity is built upon your children. Like they are your life. Number one, don't expect them to be that. They can't live up to that if they are your everything. But here's what else happens. When they leave, everything in your life crumbles. And you are to raise them and send them out. That is biblical. Everything in your life crumbles. You expect your kids, some of you, certainly I think unbelievers do this, you expect your kids or your spouse to be your savior, to give you meaning and purpose, but they can't measure up to those expectations. Your savior is Jesus Christ. And your hope and mine is in the finished work of Christ upon the cross. Sarah Wallace writes, the solution is to remember who I am, not what I do. As a Christian woman, my identity is united with Jesus Christ. His sinless life and his perfect righteousness. The beauty about finding my identity in Jesus is that I can stop obsessing about my identity altogether. It's not about who I am. It's about who he is. We have an identity crisis in our world. Jesus Christ defines who you are. So run to him and trust in him. Jesus defines us. And here's what he says about you if you are in him. He says you are forgiven and saved and redeemed and loved and adopted. You are safe, secure, and protected. You say, how can I experience that, Pastor? It's simple. By repenting of your sins and taking hold of Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of your life. Give your life to Jesus. Moms, be encouraged because your identity is found in Christ. Number two. Your grace, or the grace of God, is always available to you. The grace of God is available to you always. Moms, you need God's grace. And I need God's grace. Jonathan Dotson writes, Grace, grace gives us a new identity, not a new set of rules. Man, we all need grace. We all need to be continually awakened to the beauty and glory of Christ and the sufficiency of His grace. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ died for your sin. That he bore the wrath of God upon himself so that you wouldn't have to. That he loved you so much that he gave up his life so that you might have life. Listen to me. Whoever you are, wherever you may be, your past, your sin, your missteps, your mistakes, your rebellion, your circumstances don't have to define you any longer. Why? Because the grace of God has appeared. God's grace is available to you. Ladies, I want you to be reminded of the grace of God. The grace of God that covers your past, that covers your failures, that covers your mistakes. God's grace covers that. God's grace that will empower your present. Maybe your season of life is you're raising youngins, little kids, Maybe the season of life is you're raising teenagers. Maybe the season of life is that you're getting ready to have one of your children get married or you're getting ready to celebrate the birth of a grandson or a granddaughter. Or maybe the season of life for you is it's empty nest. Whatever your season of life is, wherever you are right now, God's grace empowers your present and God's grace guarantees your future. See the beauty of Christ this morning. See His amazing grace.
seeing the power of the gospel. Your hope and my hope isn't in our performance. It is not in our parenting abilities or lack thereof. It is not based upon your title, your role, your good works. It's not based upon whether you get it right. Your hope is in Jesus Christ who declares he loves you. He died for you. He forgives you. He is changing you. He is returning for you. Let me give you one more quote. This quote's also by Jen Wilkin. It says, as Christian parents, our greatest hope for our children is that they would grow to know, love, and serve God with everything they have. That our greatest hope as Christian parents for our children is that they would know God, the creator of the universe. That they would know Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. That they would love God with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that they would give their lives to serving Christ for the rest of their days. Listen, there are no perfect parents. There are no perfect moms out there. All of us, we've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short. Maybe you look back upon your life, man, and you have shame and regret. Maybe you're tempted to look back upon your parenting and think, man, I did a really good job and to put pride in, in your abilities. There's a lot that you could give your life to, moms. But there is no greater cause than teaching your children to know, love, and serve God for the rest of their days. Listen, no one may ever know your name. The world may never hear of Helen Hornsby or Ryan Hornsby. The world may never know their names. But if all you do, moms, is point your kids to Jesus Christ, then you have lived your life well. Keep pointing your kids to Jesus. Keep reminding them that their identity, their hope is not in you, but it's in Jesus. And keep depending upon the grace of God for your life. Moms, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for loving your children well. Thank you for pointing them to Jesus. Thank you for hanging in there when things get tough. Thank you for being the rock so often in our families. Thank you. And be encouraged. Remember who you are. Your identity is in Christ. And know that His grace is always available for you. May the Lord continue to bless you and keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you. May He be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Thank you, moms. Thank you. Let's pray. Father God, man, I, I want nothing more than for, Lord, the moms, the ladies who have been watching, Lord, to be encouraged this morning. Or maybe... Maybe a lady or a mom has been watching and they have never put their faith in you, Jesus Christ. They've never trusted in you. And maybe their life is overwhelmed with grief and sorrow and shame and guilt. 
As they're feeling the weight of that this morning, oh God, may they turn to you, may they trust in you, may they believe in you. Or maybe some moms are watching. God, maybe they're even here this morning with us and they're, they're hurting. They're hurting because this is the first year without their mom. For them, Mother's Day is not this joyful occasion that so many people make it out to be. For them, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. Lord, I just pray that they would experience your grace right now. Lord, maybe some of these moms are exhausted. Maybe they're exhausted. And God, I just pray that they will be reminded they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. That God, you're the giver of every good gift. So Lord, whether it's one child at home or, or ten children at home, Lord, you will sustain them and strengthen them. You bless them with their family. You will give them what they need to persevere, to keep seeking and to keep on seeking the face of God, to rest in who they are. Oh, God, may they be encouraged. Father, for us as husbands or as sons or daughters, may, may we make sure that we encourage our moms today if they are still alive. May we give them a phone call or send them a text. Or if we're able to visit them from a safe social distance, Lord, may we do that today. Lord, for anyone who is listening, who is watching, and who is struggling, Lord, all they need to say today is, Lord, I need you. And, oh God, you will come. And they can find refuge and rest in the shadow of your wings. They can know that they are hidden in Christ. That is who they are. And if anyone does not know that, then, oh God, I pray that they would know that today. Lord, as Pastor BJ and I just think and we dialogue through this today, Lord, we just pray that it would be edifying to those who are, who are listening. And God, again, I just say thank you. I am who I am today. God, because of the numerous number of ladies who stepped into my life, who prayed for me, who encouraged me, who loved me, who showed me what a godly wife, an example looked like, and Lord, I would desire that in my wife. Lord, thank you for them. Lord, these ladies and, and, and these women, God, are so vital to the health and life of a church. So thank you for what they've done. And Lord, we just pray that they feel loved and honored today and that they would be encouraged. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. here as we begin this, you know what, let's, uh, let's press this power button here and see if that helps out a little bit. Start over. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll start over. Happy Mother's Day, Pastor Aaron. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. Appreciate but um, I wrote down several things that in this passage of in, in Colossians, we were in um, Colossians 3, and uh, I, I shouldn't have closed my Bible. Let's see how quickly I can, I can find it again. But 
says that you've been raised with Christ. If you go back just a few verses in chapter 2, chapter 220, it says if you died with Christ. It says if we died with Christ, then we put to death all these things of the world. But if you've been raised to Christ, then we think about things above. And so there's this, yes. this idea that yet there are things that we have died to in this world, but now there are things that we live to because of the power of the resurrection in Christ. And so we, as we walk through those things, I, I wrote down just as, as part of application, uh, two questions that, that I think help us set our minds on things above. And so if I am engaged in, uh, is the right word argument in my household or maybe just a, a good discussion in my household? And, um, one of the questions that I have to ask is, is what I'm about to do or what I'm about to say or, or does, it, does it really matter? Does it really matter if, if people hear me? Or maybe I'm going to post something or respond to something on social media. Does it, does it really matter? Like even right now today, if what I'm about to share, does it, is it going to make a positive influence on somebody's life? But I think there's even a better question, and that is, is it going to matter? Is mm. what I'm doing going to matter? Uh, Ten years from now, will people remember that I've said this or that I've done this, that I've accomplished this? Or will it matter for, really, eternity? Mm. Are the things I'm doing, do they matter in the short run? Or what am I doing with my life that will matter for eternity? Yeah. And those, the things that matter for eternity, those are the things that we set our mind on. Those help sure. us um, set our minds on things above. I uh, already got a question in or a statement. Um, being able to worship with you all is the highlight of my week. I'm already looking forward to next Sunday. God bless you. So you. that's fantastic. Uh, thank you for um, sharing that with us. And uh, we, we are looking forward to next Sunday as well. Um, but yeah, I, I love being able to worship with our, our church family. Um, and then the next series of, of notes I have just uh, about our identity there's a prayer. Uh, I, I think it's been attributed to St. Patrick. I don't know how accurate that is. Uh, it's a, a, a Celtic prayer or prayer of St. Patrick. But regardless of who, who penned it or, or who it is really its author, um, it's, it's, it's this. Christ be with me, Christ within me. Hmm. Christ behind me and before me. Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort me and restore, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in hearts of all who know me, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger, Christ in quiet and in roar. And it's just simply uh, Christ and Jesus in everything, uh, in everything that I am and everything that I Amen. do. Um, so I have a couple other questions here. Let me, let me see. trying to follow up. Oh, actually, that came in through a text message. So, um, actually, this is, I'm, I'm sorry, I was, I'm getting a question from a student that doesn't have to really do with, it has a lot to do with, with God. This is, this is, I mean, the, the question is, why did God reach out to us in the first place? And it doesn't necessarily have to do with this, with this sermon topic, but, um, 
And so I'm sorry if I'm just a little distracted this morning. Because I thought it was a great question. Very good and, question. And so my answer to, to him was just, I think the simple answer is Romans 5, 8. It's just because he loves us. That's right. And, and he loves us. Why does he love us? Well, because that's his essential nature. He is he love. Is love. He is um, love. And so I don't know if anybody else was struggling with that this morning, but um, I wrote down this as we were talking about specifically as, as parents. What dreams do you have for your children? Mm. What dreams do you have for your children? And, and most of us would maybe say something like, well, safety, that they are healthy, a good education, a career, uh, that they find a family, love, happiness. Um, my, this thing is not cooperating this morning. I'm sorry. You're good, man. So what kind of dreams do you have for your children? And a lot of us would answer that in that way. But then my question is, do your dreams for your children differ than those of unbelievers? Mm. Do, do, you, do your dreams as a Christian, do your dreams for your children, are they different at all from the dreams that unbelievers would have for their children? And I think that they should, just yes. like what you shared uh, today. Um, that, that our greatest hope is that they would know, mm -hmm. they, that they would know God and that they would uh, help expand his, his kingdom. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I pray that we can, we can do that. And then I wanted to just highlight a couple of things where it talks about our identity. Um, finding our identity in Christ, you know, that, that's one of the things that we hope that as adults we begin to understand. It's certainly something that, that I've discussed with, with teenagers, um, yeah. is finding our identity in Christ, because Adolescence is that time of life where we are really trying to find our identity. There's the questions that are asked. It's just, who are you? Um, mm -hmm. There was a band that, that sang that song. I think their name was Who. And it wasn't the World Health Organization. But, uh, and, and so who was that band? Yes, who was that band that sang Who Are You? Um, popularized by some... TV show recently. Uh, but, it, but anyway, our identity in Christ, and that, that gives us, when, when, we, when we place our identity in Christ and not in the other things of this world, it gives us freedom. One of the freedoms it gives us is we're, we're free from pleasing other people mm. because we Amen. think that people yeah. are thinking these things about us, and so we have to perform Absolutely. in order to meet their expectations or meet the expectations that we think they have of us. And so my freedom is not in my intellect or my appearance. It's not in my job and my, my wealth or status or popularity or success. And actually, what, what I think, when we place our identity in all of those things and we're trying to please other people, we're trying to, it's really, it's really incredibly selfish because, mm -hmm. and here's, this is something that, that may burst someone's bubble. And it's just this. We're really not thinking about you that much. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm not thinking. You know, we we just don't think about you. And so the person that's wrapped up in their own identity, that just here's some freedom. We're we're not thinking about you that much. You don't have to do. You don't have to perform for us. Mm. Uh, at least you know, for for those of us that love you. Um, so man, place your identity in Christ. And as an example, maybe you know these names. David, and I may not pronounce his last name right, I think it's David, uh, David Bougia and Steele Johnson. I don't know if you know those names, but they were U.S. Olympic divers. 
And uh, they, they actually placed higher than any Olympic diving team in the, in the history of the United States. They got silver medal. And, and they were asked about, uh, they, they were asked about having a silver medal, you know, and just, just kind of missing out on, on gold. And, and, and this, is, this is what they shared. This was at the 2016 Rio Olympic Games. Uh, they were, they were uh, in the 10-meter platform uh, is, was, their, was their competition. They very boldly just said, our identity is in Christ. And this was in an interview. Uh, David said this, yeah, I just think the past week there's just been an enormous amount of pressure, and I felt it. You know, it's just an identity crisis. When my mind is on this, thinking I'm defined by this, then my mind goes crazy. But we both know our identity is in Christ. Mm. And so there was Amen. freedom. Yeah. They could enjoy being, having yeah. the, the silver medal. They could enjoy what they were doing because their identity wasn't wrapped up yeah. in, in their accomplishments, but it was wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Um, and so uh, just in everything we do as, as parents, um, just as citizens, as you know, our, our jobs, as, as students, wherever we find ourselves, mm-hmm. placing our identity in Christ um, is how we can find satisfaction in yeah, this world. Absolutely. Any, anything else you wanted to add? No, man, those are great thoughts. You know, I'm just thinking, you know, it's easy for us, I think, as parents to say, hey, we want the will of God for our kids. We want our kids to find their identity in Christ. But then how do we respond when the Lord is leading them to do something that, that maybe isn't ideal for us. And so I think about my parents. I think back in 2000, I guess it was 11, uh, I was pastoring a church in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, they were living in Winchester at the time. So they were 20 minutes from me. They, were, they attended our church. They joined the church where I pastored. And I remember sitting down with them and saying, look, I believe the Lord is leading us to move to Florida. Now 12 hours away from them. And I just remember how supportive they were. And I was taking their grandson, Landon, who was four at the time, uh, who they loved dearly. I was taking him away from them. Um, And and in that moment, they could have tried to talk me out of it, could have argued with me. But their faith was really put to the test. Had they really given me over to the Lord? And, man, they were so supportive. But I've heard other stories of moms who were not, who tried to talk their son out of following the will of God because it was going to take them too far away and... I think sometimes we just really have to look at our heart and to say, do I really want the will of God for them? Is this really about pointing them to Christ? Even if it takes them to the other side of the world, can I still rejoice that they're following Jesus? Or am I really just giving lip service to that? So just another thought I had. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, that's, that's really all that, that I have this morning. Uh, so, man, just... If you can, and uh, if if you if you're able, uh, reach out to your mom today. If yeah. it's if if you happen to live in the same house with her, and can and can do something for. Her, um, if maybe it's a phone call, uh, because um, you know we're not we're not always guaranteed um, tomorrow. And, and they're like you've already said, so many um, their mom is not here yeah. on this earth with them any longer. But um, just grateful for mothers and grateful Amen. for um, people who have pointed me toward Christ. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. 
And the one thing I can do to help honor that is to point others towards Christ yeah. as well. So, Absolutely. But thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, just a couple uh, things before we, uh, we conclude your Mother's Day gift as you get to be done a little bit early today. Um, so just number one, it, we've been doing this for eight weeks, I believe, by my count. So let me just uh, say a special thank you to those who have really made this happen. Um, I think of Curtis and Ann the last several weeks. They've been recording videos for us to add to our worship service. So, so thankful uh, for them. So thankful for Trip, who was back in the sound booth. If it wasn't for Trip, um, I wouldn't have a clue how to get online. I know that. So he, uh, he's been back there every week uh, so, so that you can stay connected and still worship with us. Um, I think of you know, Brian and Alexa, who've been so faithful uh, to lead us in worship, uh, Gina uh, and Luke, who've been so faithful, uh, Bill, uh, Ethan, who um, is over there. Uh, man, I just thank God for you guys and your willingness to come to lead us in worship. And then, of course, Pastor BJ, uh, who has been amazing in this and so appreciative of him. And I think I was only here three months uh, when all of this happened. Uh, so he Man, he's been a rock for me to lean on, and so he's been so helpful in this. And so appreciate that. And this Q&A has been great and has added a lot, so so thankful for that. Uh, just one other thing. Uh, we are going to gather for worship uh, together next Sunday on May 17th. Uh, our doors will be open. You are invited to come worship with us. Uh, we are going to have one service. Uh, we are going to follow guidelines, what I will do is on Wednesday when I post our Wednesday uh, night Bible study, I will at the beginning of that go over some of those guidelines so that you have a heads up. I'll put that in an email that I'll send out Wednesday as well. Just some expectations uh, that we have of you, certain guidelines that we have to follow to keep you safe um, and that we are going to encourage you to follow as well. We've tried to, to reach out to you. Uh, we've heard from many of you. Uh, we do believe we can do this in one service, social distancing, and we'll have an overflow room ready uh, and available if we were to need it. Uh, we know that many of you, uh, based upon our results, I think it was like 34% of you said that you would not be back next week. We understand that. We respect that. Uh, we want you to return when, when you were comfortable. And, uh, and maybe, maybe you're not comfortable the first week, but after you talk to some people who attend and you hear kind of what we were doing, you may feel more comfortable going forward. Um, so we just want you to know when you are ready, when you're available, uh, we're going to be here gathering together to worship. Again, I'll give you a lot more uh, guidelines um, that we're going to follow on Wednesday. Do you have anything you want to add to that? I was just thinking maybe we should define what we mean by comfortable because we you probably do need to take the curlers out of your hair next week. You probably do need to sure. slip on something besides so your you slippers pajamas. and your house coat. There you go. Yeah, that's there right. There you go. Um, Don't and, come too uh, comfortable, right? Maybe take a cold shower instead of that second cup of coffee because, you know, bathrooms are very limited yeah. here. So, um, but, uh, yeah, man, we're so excited about that and uh, can't wait to see more folks. It, it, it'll, be a great, it'll be a great day. One thing we are going to do is we are going to try to limit our service uh, to 45 minutes to an hour, which means the Q&A, we'll cut that out um, because we, we know bathrooms are limited, and so we don't expect you to sit here for an hour and a half when you can't really use the bathroom. So we'll try to be mindful of you there. Yeah, and we are going to try to uh, do something special for our graduates. Yes, so. yeah. So next week may go over 45 minutes because we're going to honor our graduates, but... We will continue 
to do the live stream. Uh, we'll put a lot of time and effort into that so you can continue to watch from your pajamas with the curlers and all that if you would like. But you can also join us uh, next Sunday. Continue to be safe. Uh, be mindful of, of those around you. And just do me a favor um, and just be encouraging. There's a lot of negativity out there. Don't add to that. Be positive. Be mindful. Be respectful of others that, that may think differently than you. Um, just love on them in, in Jesus. And uh, let's, let's build each other up uh, this week. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, you are good. You are loving. You are gracious. You are kind. You are worthy of our praise. Um, and our praise, Lord, isn't even enough. You, you are worthy of so much more than that. But you, you ask us to come and to praise you. And Lord, we have done that for these last eight weeks in a very modified way. And uh, Lord, I pray that even though it hasn't been what we wanted, that it has still been good and it's been edifying. And Lord, you've used this time in our lives to draw us closer to Christ, to show us what really matters. Um, maybe, Lord, even to, to show us our sin, uh, where we're trusting in ourselves instead of you. Lord, I, I know that... Um, from my getting out this week, that people are, are starting to venture out more. Uh, people are starting to get into restaurants and more people are entering into the stores. And Lord, I know that that's concerning to a lot of people. And, and so, Lord, we just at the end of the day, God, we have to put our faith and trust in you. We know that at some point the world's got to open back up, that these businesses have to reopen their doors, that, that people need to make money. And so, Lord, just help us to be wise and mindful of that. Lord, as we gather next week, Lord, I might be comfortable walking up and shaking somebody's hand or hugging somebody's neck, but it isn't about me. I'm to consider others more important than myself. I'm to be thinking about what they're comfortable with. And so, Lord, help us as we, as we go through this week, as we go through these next several weeks and months, to really be mindful of others to respect them. Uh, and Lord, may we be a people who don't live in fear, yes. but who live by faith, but also who want to be wise and, and, and mindful of other people. God, again, we just thank you for our moms. Uh, what a blessing they are. Um, we pray for them. And again, Lord, we just lift up those, God, even at this moment, are, who are just having a hard time smiling today because of their grief. Lord, comfort them, and may they know that they are loved by the sovereign God of the universe, that you love them. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around that, but you do. And you demonstrated that love in that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. You love us right where we are, and God, you're transforming us. And so we thank you for that. Um, God, again, thank you for all those who have worked uh, very tirelessly and diligently over these last eight weeks uh, whether it's doing a Zoom Sunday school class, loving on our kids from a distance, or, or enabling a worship service to go forward. Lord, we thank you for them, and we just pray for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.